listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I love Advent. You already know that about me. But I just wanted to say it again. It is so full of hope. The idea that God is coming and that wrong things are going to be made right, that the difficulties that we face are going to get resolved, the fact that the Christian calendar starts with Advent, that every year we get to kind of hit this restart button, we get to to celebrate, we get to anticipate. So uh, last week uh, with the hanging of the greens, we lit the peace candle. And I do pray that this Advent season you'll experience peace. But today we lit the hope candle. Unto us comes hope. See, hope is different than wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is more nebulous. It's like wanting things to get better but not really knowing what that would look like or not really knowing how that might happen. Hope is more definitive. Hope is objective. It's objective because it has an object. And our, the object of our hope is none other than Jesus Christ, the child who was born. That is who our hope is in. And our hope is, is, is confident because we know that with the coming of Christ, that, that um, our hope will be fulfilled. We, this, this passage was read earlier in, in the opening uh, video, but it comes from Isaiah chapter 9, earlier, just a bit earlier than the passage that was just read. For unto us a child is born. This is our hope. And unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So that's our hope. But this passage of scripture that was read, which is a passage that's often read at times of Advent, speaks of hope, but at a time of despair. So the book of Isaiah it's kind of divided into two equal parts. So, well, maybe not equal. So chapters 1 through 40 and then, or 1 through 39, and then chapters 40 through 66. So the 1 through 40 part is the prophet Isaiah, and he's prophesying to the kings of Israel at, at his time. So he's prophesying to Uriah, to Ahaz, and to Hezekiah. But once you hit chapter 40... Isaiah is no longer talking to his contemporaries. He's not talking to the people who live in Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 40 begins to speak to those who would be in exile. So this is, Isaiah lived prior to the exile. But he was prophesying that an exile would happen. But he doesn't focus on the trouble of the exile. He doesn't focus on being displaced or being or suffering or having your identity stripped from you or kind of losing, losing your possessions. But instead, he focuses on a deliverer that comes. So let's, let's try to take a step back and put 
the exile, and then the promise of a deliverer from that event into context. So in the big, in the big narrative arc of Scripture, it goes something like this. The Hebrews believed that there was only one God, and that one God had created all that there was, and that one creator God had chosen one particular person, and his name was Abraham. You've heard of him, right? Father Abraham. All right, we're his kids. All right, we sing that song with our children. So God made a promise to Father Abraham that he would bless his family and that through his family he would make a nation and then he would use that nation to bless the world. So that's how this story begins. And that promise, that covenant, gets fulfilled when Moses leads the Hebrews out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And we can all kind of celebrate those events. So that's like the birth of the nation of Israel. So the promise of the nation of Israel was in the covenant that God made with Abraham. But that promise gets fulfilled when Moses brings the people out. So now now we have a nation. Now they have a nation. And they have a land. And they have a place to live and a place to have families and build houses and have crops and grow and pass things on to generation to generation. But that story ends horribly. The people are unfaithful. They worship other gods. They, they, don't, they don't keep the law as they should. They, they neglect their neighbors. They abuse the foreigners. Um, and they get punished for it. And so when Babylon comes and destroys the kingdom and destroys Jerusalem and destroys the temple and takes people into captivity into Babylon, it is the death of the nation. In their collective memory, it would have been the worst possible outcome. Like all of their hopes, all of their dreams are tied into the idea that God was going to bless their families and their nation and kind of give them a place and a name. And they had all of that. And then all of that is lost. And so it's to those people that Isaiah 40 is written to. It's to those people who are in captivity in Babylon. It's to those people who their name has been taken away. The temple has been destroyed. The nation now ceased to exist. The promise that had been fulfilled has now been erased. And, and that's the difficulty that Isaiah starts to speak to in Isaiah 40. But this is what he says. He says, Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, pay attention. You've suffered long enough. A voice is heard crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. We know this too, right? Because this is exactly how the Gospels will speak about John the Baptist announcing Jesus. That when the Gospel readers go to talk about not the promise of a deliverer, but the fulfillment of the deliverer, the advent, the coming of the Messiah, they quote this passage, So Isaiah chapter 40 is the first passage in Scripture that speaks of the anticipation of a Messiah, of a Christ, of a king, of a deliverer. And that's exactly where the Gospels go 
when they go to talk about what has happened in the life of Jesus. That, that Jesus is that one. And so that's, that's what's kind of working in all these things so that their hope, kind of generation after generation after generation, was that God would send a Messiah. Their hope was also objective, that it had an object, or maybe we should call it subjective. It had a subject. But they didn't know who that subject would be. They didn't know who that person was, but they, they did expect God to do it, right? They did expect God to deliver, for God to come through, for God to um, kind of fulfill his promise. Now, during these Advent seasons, there's, there's other passages of Scripture that often get read, and they too have to do about the coming of Christ. But sometimes, you know, the coming of Christ, it's hard to tell. Is this the, the coming of Christ in creation, as the Benedictines would talk about? The Benedictine monks say that Christ originally came in creation, we, we can kind of hear that in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 3 says, and all things were created through him. Paul speaks this way too in Ephesians and Colossians, talking about Jesus being the agent of creation. So the Benedictines would say that the first coming of Christ is actually in creation, that creation doesn't exist without Christ. But then there's this coming of Christ that we get ready to, we're getting ready to celebrate, which is the birth of the child, right? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a, a son is given. But the, the other coming, this kind of second coming, as Hebrews talks about, the coming, and it mentions this too, right, in Isaiah, in that earlier one in chapter 9. It says that his kingdom will be one of judgment and justice, and so that idea that Christ is coming and Christ will be the judge is part of these texts too. And so there's this passage. Let me read it for you. It comes from 2 Peter. This is not what you expect to hear, I believe, at an Advent service, right? We're all getting ready to celebrate Christmas. We're buying our gifts. We're decorating our trees. And this is what the church wants you to hear. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and when the heavens and the and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? Boom, 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 boom. But in accordance with the promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. 
So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given. Now, I don't know about you, but the idea of Jesus coming like a thief in the night is not the most pleasant thought I've ever had in my life. It sounds a little scary. It's not the Christmas story. It's not the Advent story, the, hey, let's all get ready to celebrate hope story that I was expecting to get in the epistle reading for today. So when you hear about a thief coming at Christmas, I'm not sure what you think about, but Jesus is not the Grinch. (laughs) Jesus is also not someone you should be scared of. The thief that's coming is not a thief who's going to come and harm you. We have to remember who it is that's coming. The one who's coming is none other than the Christ child that was born. To to borrow some wisdom from from Nadia uh, Weber Bowles, Weber Bowles, Bowles Weber, Bowles Weber, to borrow some wisdom from Nadia Bowles Weber, When we think of this passage of Jesus coming like a thief in the night, we need to to realize that this is a holy thief. This is Jesus who is coming. This is the same one in whom all things were made and are sustained. This is that prince of peace, the one who's wonderful and, and a counselor and a mighty God. He's God with us. He comes and he takes, but he doesn't take what we need or what we desire. He takes away those things that would harm us. He comes and takes away our anxiety. He takes away our depression. He takes away our addiction. He takes away our our bad self-image. He takes away our suffering. He takes away our pain. He takes away our poverty. He takes away our pandemics. That's what we can expect at the advent of Christ. A holy thief. Now, um, at Christmas time, it's pretty common to make a Christmas list, right? Our kids do it all the time. And sometimes they get quite long, right? Whatever's on the TV most recently seems to make Carly's list in particular. So we typically make a Christmas list of the things we want to receive at Christmas. But today we've distributed to you an Advent list. And for those of you who are at home, it's in the Worship Companion. Uh, You can uh, download it there. It's, It's in the comments on YouTube. It's there on Facebook. Uh, It's the top link on the Facebook, the the worship companion. So in the worship companion this week is your Advent list. And has everyone here received your Advent list? Look, this is what I want you to make. This is the difference between an Advent list and a Christmas list. A Christmas list is what you hope Santa Claus will bring you. An Advent list is what you want the holy thief to come and take from you. So whatever that is for you. If it's a, again, it could be a a, a poor image of yourself, of of who you are, of your body. It It could be some anxiety or it could be some depression. It could be some hardships that you're experiencing 
in your relationships or in your finances. But that's what I believe. I believe that our hope, again, it's not not nebulous. It's not undefined. It's not just wishful thinking. Our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ and that the coming of Christ into our lives, not just at the beginning of time, which I agree with the Benedictines. I think Christ was there. And not just at the birth in that day in Bethlehem, but even though that is what we celebrate. And not just at the end of time when all, all of this will finally get worked out. But even now in our lives, that Christ will come to us this Advent season and that our hope, our hope might be fulfilled. Now, what does hope fulfilled look like? That's a good question. There's a story that's told of a person who was experiencing a flood. The flood had rushed in and they had gone to the rooftop to, to avoid the dangers of the flood. And someone comes by in a rowboat and says, get in, I can take you to safety. And the person on the rooftop's like, well, no, I've prayed to God to deliver me. And I have faith. I have faith that God's going to do that. So go on your way. And another person comes by in a sailboat and says, get in. Get in. The water's rising. I'll save you. And the person denies a second time. No, no, thank you. I have my faith in God to deliver me. And then a helicopter comes by. I guess it's the government or something. I don't know. Here they come. FEMA. And they're like, it's like your last chance. Hold on. We'll we'll rescue you. It's like, get behind me, Satan. I trust in God. And the waters rose and the person drowned. Not too long after that, the person's kind of standing before God still somewhat distraught. Like, God, I trusted you. I put my faith in you. I thought you would save me. And you know what God said, right? I sent you a rowboat, a sailboat, and a helicopter. (laughs) What else did I have to do? So I, I don't know what hope might look like in your particular life. It might be your sponsor at AA. That might be the shape that hope takes. It might be a social worker. It might be a public school teacher. It might be a nurse. It might be a politician. I know you can't believe that that would happen, but it might be your pastor. I don't know what the shape of hope looks like in your life, but God give us eyes to see the deliverance that is being sent to us so that we can be open-minded and open-hearted and open-handed. Because not only do we not necessarily, are we not necessarily good at anticipating the shape of hope in our lives, but we might be the shape of hope in somebody else's life. We might be the one sent by God to give them a hand up, to give them a word of encouragement, to provide for them a meal or some advice or some wisdom or 
just a, a, a shoulder to cry on, um, an ear to kind of hear their, their cries so that they're not, they're not alone. Unto us, hope is given. And we anticipate, like those generations long ago of the Israelites, that a voice will be heard in the wilderness, that his past will be made straight, that the deliverer will come, that the divine promises will be fulfilled. And we just pray that God would give us faith and faithfulness. Faith to believe that this can and will happen and faithfulness so that we can participate in it. That, my friends, is some really good news. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.